All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy February. It is February 5th and uh, uh, Groundhog Day, and we're going to have an early spring. So I'm pretty happy with all that. So thank you all very much for joining us. As you notice, today I'm on my laptop. Uh, my computer is a little bit down today. So I figured, um, you know, it, there's the background from my kitchen is in front of me and uh, the family room is behind me and you might uh, see a, a animal. Well, actually they're both uh, they're both uh, on the couch. I don't know if you can see over there, over there to the couch, but uh, they're just hanging out. So if you hear some dogs in the background, that's the world of Zoom that we live in. So today is February 5th. Uh, for the mug of the day, um, I have a WMA mug, Women Marine Association mug. This is in honor of uh, a wonderful woman. Her name was Mary Roa. She was a Korean War veteran who passed away at the ripe age of um, 97. So she served during the Korean War at, um, at Washington, D.C. She was a public information uh, person during the Korean War and, and just had an amazing life, an amazing experience. And um, she peacefully passed away by with her family and friends present. And um, we're going to miss her. So she was an amazing person, but so that's the mug of the day is in her honor that we are going to be with today. So uh, with that, um, we have a, a guest speaker today and uh, Cortez Watkins, and he's here to talk a bit about a program for veterans. Those of you who who uh, may or may not know, there's a lot of uh a lot of places and opportunities for veterans and we're going to try and just uh spread a little bit of information uh their way so cortez uh watkins is the senior workforce pathways and partnership liaison at fermilab if you ever thought about fermilab uh if there's veterans out there you should think about fermilab um he is again uh fermilab is in batavia if you don't know he is uh, off the partnership liaison at the Office of Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and Accessibility. And his passion lies in nurturing a culture of inclusion and accessibility within the STEM fields. And uh, he is committed to creating avenues for success in engineering and science, particularly at Fermilab. So uh, with that, I want to welcome uh, Cortez Watkins to our, our little Zoom today. And uh, he's going to give a little bit of a presentation uh, with regards to, um, you know, the great, th there are great things at Fermilab. In fact, um, I remember seeing what, and I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong. I'm not sure exactly what it was called, but it came down I-88. It was a big magnetic. Uh, oh, yeah. The G-2 magnet. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that was uh, that was like me and my 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 son. We we went down. We videotaped it. Put it on Facebook Live. Did it was just amazing to see this um this piece of equipment just come down the come down the tollway with all the police escorts. So uh, uh so with that, Cortez, I'll, I'll pass over to you if you want to talk a little bit about to the group the the individuals that are watching today. Sure. Well, good morning, and and thank you so much, uh, State Representative Kifwit, for having me here this morning to speak about the amazing initiatives at Fermilab. So. Yeah, I will share my screen uh, here. Okay. All right. So as you mentioned, um, I, we like to say at Fermilab uh, with our veterans initiatives, uh, we, we have a moniker from service to science uh, veteran transition initiatives. And so um, recently, uh, Fermilab uh, received some additional funding from the Department of Energy uh, to expand our veteran uh, reach uh, to the tune of about $4 million. And, um, and the program is entitled Valor, the Veteran Applied Laboratory Occupational Retraining Program. That's a mouthful, right? But I think uh, when we think about veterans, we want them to be able to bring their, their full selves to work. So Valor is right-sizing of Fermilab's award-winning vet tech program. The new program extends opportunities uh, for military veterans by providing multiple, multiple entry points for STEM-based technical learning. And so um, at Fermilab, we have, um, have these programs. I, I will speak about the first one is our Valor JRLTC program. 
It's a, a paid six week uh, summer internship for Illinois JRLTC cadets. And so a lot of high school students are, are trying to figure out ways to navigate life. And they may say, hey, I really like doing something hands-on. I, I really like doing something with computers or I might be interested in, in business pathways. You know, how do I get my start? I think the Valor uh, JRLTC uh, cadet program is a, is a great initiative for them to get going. Um, we also have the Vet Tech program, which uh, which was our initial program here at the laboratory. It's a paid 10-week summer internship program for military veterans to intern in our technical areas uh, as well. A lot of our uh, military service members and veterans have participated in this program and gone on to actually contribute uh, to a lot of different areas at the laboratory. And our newest addition is our Valor Apprenticeship Program which is a paid six month uh, training cohort. Uh, we offer a fall and spring cohort as well uh, for uh, service members to work in a capacity of uh, technical work areas. And I'll share a little bit about some of our success stories here. Um, success at glance. Uh, so Christopher James was one of our original vet tech uh, representatives here at the laboratory. He interned back in 2017 uh, for our neutrino division as a mechanical technician. And uh, one of the unique things about uh, Fermilab staff is that we're always willing to help nurture uh, amazing talent. And so he showed a lot of promise and said, hey, well, you know, um, I, I wanna go ahead and, and further my education. And he decided to go back to school and, and actually obtained his engineering degree. And he was actually hired recently um, in our SQMS uh, area at the laboratory. And so what's a nice thing about that is that he's paying that forward already. He has served uh, on our selection committee for new vet tech uh, apprentices uh, and Valor apprentices and, and also has been promoted in that area. Uh, so this is a picture of him down below and some of the systems that he's worked on at Fermilab, um, as well as we have Andrew Childress and Anthony Lake. Both were hired after participating in 2017 and 2018 respectively. And our newest initiative, uh, we have um, relationship with the University of Chicago Office of Military Affiliated Community, uh, Communities, where we have transitioning service members in their last 180 days are able to participate uh, as a part of the DOD uh, Skill Bridge program. And so these four participants were some of our Skill Bridge uh, participants. And uh, as you can see over on the top, we have uh, Chelsea uh, Jackson, he uh, became our new small business liaison officer. We have Chandler Lawrence, who's working in the cyber area, James Jason, who is one of our uh, esteemed financial analysts, and also uh, Miguel Gutierrez, who's working in our area facilities. So these are just some of the, the, um, the success stories that we have here at Fermilab within our veteran initiatives. And we just want to impact more veterans. As you can see, one of the goals that I have is also attracting more women veterans to the laboratory. So uh, so hopefully, uh, Representative Kifwit, you can help me with that initiative and in getting more people connected to our amazing opportunities at Fermilab. Oh, certainly. Um, uh, that is the whole purpose of why uh, I am just thrilled to have you on this, uh, on our Zoom today to talk about all these great initiatives. And again, uh, Everything I've heard about Fermilab from our good friend, uh, Congressman Bill Foster, is just that it's a wonderful place to work and a wonderful place to um, just to to be there with the partnerships that uh, that you talked about. So if a veteran would be interested in um, in looking into this more, I'm assuming there's information on your website and and more that uh, they can dive into. Is that correct? Yes, actually, at, um, they can actually even Google the Valor program uh, and it'll actually pop up directly on Fermilab's website, but uh, you can connect to our website at www.fnal.gov. So uh, that goes directly to all of our amazing job opportunities at the laboratory. And then one of the things I, I thought was really great is that you're willing to work with um members of the armed forces that are to be going out are, are going to be getting out, going to get their discharge. And so that when they, because uh, that, that was one of the the great stories that you always hear from, from like World War II veterans and, um, and Korean War veterans that they knew they had a job when mm -hmm. they got out. Yes. Uh, and, and Fermi lab is of course, uh, you know, um, 
funded from by the government and the railroad. So they always knew that they had a good job waiting for them when they came back from the war and they came back from their service. And Fermi Lab, I think, is wonderful. They're offering that same uh, type of program that you're you're working with service members that are transitioning out, yes. and uh, and they know that then they can get potentially a good job when they leave service uh, with a honorable discharge or with a with whatever discharge. Um, I believe of an honorable status is probably what you're mm-hmm. looking at. And uh, um, so what, le, le, when I got out of the military, I, I was mm-hmm. just given like a plane ticket and it was, it was <laughs> oh, things have changed. And I'm a little jealous yeah. when I got out, um, I got a plane ticket home from California. There, there was no TAPS class. So now they mm-hmm. got all these TAPS classes. There was no TAPS because And um, I had been in warm weather for four years. So I literally didn't have a, a coat. And I remember my grandmother picking me up from Midway Airport. And uh, when I called her uh, with all the details of the flight uh, and I told her, I said, I don't have a coat. And so she my grandmother was all of like five foot two. So she brought me this very, very small coat. It was wool. It was itchy. It looked like a a, a really bad plaid couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't even have a coat. Um, I didn't even I, I stayed at their place for a while. I didn't even have a place to live uh, for uh, one of the couch surfing peoples. I was a couch mm-hmm. surfer on the military. So all that being said, I think it's amazing that here's an opportunity for a service member who's transitioning out of the military to uh, to actually, you know, transition right into a good paying job. Exactly. Yeah. And and one of the things that we uh, we think about at the laboratory is that we know uh, as uh, as service members are transitioning, we want them to bring their full selves, but we know with bringing them full selves comes with a lot of different things, right? And so um, one of the things that we've uh, pride ourselves uh, with uh, our veteran initiatives is not only just to bring them there, to, but to also support them. Our We have uh, what we call employee resource or laboratory resource groups. And so uh, with our laboratory resource groups, we actually have one for veterans specifically where they provide mentorship and, and also just kind of like a, a buddy collaboration to help them transition. Uh, we help uh, with support for um, uh, furthering their education, professional development, as well as uh, for those transitioning service members, giving them feedback on their resumes so they can put their best foot forward uh, with, um, with applying for opportunities at the laboratory. I think one of our uh, newest initiatives is also called Courageous Conversations, where we have uh, monthly sessions and talk about different areas that are fit, uh, that veterans are facing, such as PTSD awareness, but uh, then also helping the vet, uh, the Fermilab community understand, hey, these are uh, are the skills that folks are coming with. You know, this is how you work uh, with folks that are coming from these different types of backgrounds. Because one of the hardest things that I've witnessed for service members is really translating those skills into the work that we have. Uh, that's out here in uh, in society, you know, in civilian role, as they say. But um, I think one of the things that I, I really do appreciate about this program is that our supervisors and our staff here at Fermilab really like, you know, roll up their sleeves and say, hey, we want to give, you know, service members as well as veterans an opportunity to just really shine here. And, and that's what I'm most proud about working with this initiative. No, I think I think that's just amazing. And and I love I have to say uh, courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. That's that's um, that's what we all need to have even yes. on non-veteran. Uh, I know non-veteran individuals as well, but we all need to have uh, some courageous conversations in our lives to um, yes. to talk about things that are stress and to talk about things uh, openly, honestly. Uh, in a safe environment, of course, non-judging. So uh, I think that's uh, I got. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna. You don't mind if I borrow that and talk about it? <laughs> well, bring me <laughs> well, on to talk more part. about it. Sure. No, I, I think it's it's great. When I was thinking about it, you know, I was talking to to my boss, uh, Sandra Charles, uh, who's the chief equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility officer here, and we were just talking about them. Like, okay, hey, we we need to um, to do something different and. Um, and so I think one of our first sessions was actually with Heinz VA, where we invited them out to talk about different things around the veteran uh, community. And so I've just been uh, just amazed uh, by the uh, the feedback from our community and then also people that participate. But I, I, I'll be remiss, I, I didn't have this one uh, one student up, but we we had our, our first cohort of our Valor JRTC this past summer uh, in 2023. 
And uh, we had a student from uh, East Aurora High School. He participated, uh, his name is Anthony Ramirez. And I remember he came and he was just like, hey, well, Cortez, I'm still trying to figure out. I, I don't, don't know what I want to do, you know, but I know I want to go to school eventually. Um, but I really like working with cars and, and hands-on things. And I'm like, okay, well, come here, try the, uh, the JLTC uh, program with Valor. And he, he did his first six weeks and he's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is pretty cool. I don't want to leave. And I'm like, okay, well, we can work that out. So we, uh, he was graduating from uh, East Aurora and um, he decided to stay for our Valor Apprenticeship Program. And he's working in our target systems area as a Valor Apprenticeship. And I, I just got word recently that they want to hire him on full time. So just imagine, you know, for an 18 year old that's trying to figure out life, uh, and everything and, and not really knowing and to have an opportunity to come here to Fermilab and now he has aspirations of going into engineering. Uh, but I think that's some, sometimes that's just a little push that we need, right, uh, to be successful. And so I think the work that you're doing here by having these types of conversations as well are, are some just little push that people need in the right direction. So, so thank you again for having this uh, platform for us. Oh, absolutely. And and you bring up a good point as uh, a lot of young people love working on cars, are, are mechanically inclined, mm -hmm. and they can't imagine or they're not exposed to all the mechanics that would go mm -hmm. into running a place like Fermilab. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all yeah. the machinery and all the mechanical uh, maintenance that you all need to do there. And so I think that's wonderful to give them a different perspective in, on where they can use their tools and their skill set uh, in a different way than they imagine. Just, you know, cars are everywhere, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, exposing them to that kind of um, that kind of path is just amazing. And uh, can't speak enough about good things about it. Now, my son is in the Navy right now. Mm hmm. He's on the USS Ralph Johnson. Uh, he's talking about reenlisting, so it might not be his his path right now. However, if I was a person in the military, uh, a veteran who have gotten out or, or uh, you know, thinking about getting out, what like what job skills would you be looking for? So uh, so that the veterans out there can say, you know, I guess um, you, you mentioned mechanic. There are mechanics in the military, tank mechanics, um, mm -hmm. you know, motor T. And uh, but there's there's other like my son is in a, a ETFC, I guess, mm -hmm. electrical technician, fire control, oh, yes. radar and stuff like that. So are there specific uh, job skills, military job skills that you are looking for? Or is it just open to anybody that was in the military that might want to chart a different path or might go down a, another path with regards to their uh, experiences? That's a great question. I, I think it's actually a little bit of both for, for what we do here. Um, when you were saying uh, your son's MOS, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, we can use them now. <laughs> yeah, because um, electrical technicians and, and mechanical technicians or people that have those type of skill sets are in such high demand here for the laboratory. Uh, but I will say that uh, we have um, just recently, we've um, onboarded two new um uh, skill bridge participants and they're working in our one is working as uh in our sustainability area and other uh, the other one is working with one of our environmentalists here so i found that um, i don't really put a limit on the skill sets that the the veterans and service members have because i'm like i'm just in awe a lot of times just because of some of their work experiences uh, but um, I will say, I think the ones that are in most demand is probably electrical and mechanical, uh, but we do have different pathways as far as business and project management, um, project controls. Uh, so folks that have an interest in uh, computer software or just trying to learn, if you're open to learn, uh, learning um, a new skill or trade, that's something that we can also help to teach with our on-the-job on the training. Uh, so Fermilab is as understands that, you know, yeah, we do science and we like to say we do science and we do science very well, you know, so we definitely have those roles uh, as physicists and, and computer scientists, but sometimes um, those folks started, you know, as technicians or in the technical workspace. So I think um, if someone has an interest in a lab, um, I, I don't want them to be dissuaded by saying, oh my gosh, I don't have a degree in physics, so I can't pursue an opportunity in Fermilab. I think that's one of the biggest misnomers that's out there. I think that what they need to do is, is reach out 
you know, um, and I, I'm I'm very accessible. Uh, but if they are thinking about transitioning, um, they can actually check out the uh, DOD website, so DOD SkillBridge uh, website, and they can actually find us under the University of Chicago's uh, link, and they'll show all the different jobs that we have, um, and we can and we set up like monthly, well, really weekly interviews uh, with uh, service members that are trying to uh, transition. They have questions and, and things like that. I think I was, was just on a call last week where we had some service members that had backgrounds in, in HR, you know, and trying to figure out, okay, uh, how can I work, you know, at one of the, you know, national labs with my HR background. Um, I think um, I have someone that's starting today he worked, uh, he was a commander with, um, on a submarine for 20 years. And, mm -hmm. and now he's going to lead some of our environmental safety and health training here at the laboratory. So I will say that um, if you have a background, we know that the, the military uh, really works diligently to provide those skill sets for folks. We just want to help them translate it to opportunities here at the lab. So so don't count yourself out, just you know, reach out and, and we can kind of discuss specifics too. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that's that's wonderful, because I think that's one of the, the most important things like you hit on is that um, if you're not a physicist or a scientist, then Fermilab is not the place for you. But you have a whole bunch of other, um, like you mentioned, trainings and uh, HR and admin and payroll and all yes, that other stuff. All of that. Yeah. Because when I when I was in the military, I was uh, I did payroll. I did all yeah. that mm -hmm. stuff. And, and people really you know liked our department because. They would always call to see when when the pay was going to get. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> so we did all that uh, background stuff, and that stuff is important to any organization. So it is. We had a, a veteran actually that uh, helped to transition our pro card system, and that was his uh, his uh, job skill. And, and now he's working as a business analyst, right in the area. So yes, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Well, I was in thirty years ago, so I don't think you have uh, computers with small green screens anymore that are DOS only uh DOS only input. So I think my skills are a little outdated from my military years. But um but uh definitely no that's wonderful that you have um such a such a great array and that you're there to help uh veterans and the skill bridge program. Uh, actually I think the the General Assembly passed that to work with the DOD mm -hmm. um a couple of years ago I was on it with uh Representative Dave Bella. So awesome. talking about skill bridge and being able to uh, mm -hmm. access our service members uh, prior to them coming out of the military, uh, mm -hmm. if they choose to. So, uh, so it's a it's great that you're part of that and um, interconnected with. Uh, what you said you go to the Department of Defense website and then go to the University of Illinois Chicago. No, University of Chicago, yes. And so, um, our colleague uh, Dr. Terrell Odom at the uh, at U Chicago actually heads that initiatives, and uh, we work very closely with uh, their Office of Military Affiliated Communities, or OMAC for short, and uh, we get everyone uh, connected to uh, these opportunities. Well, next time you see Dr. Odom, tell him I said hello, because we go That's way true. back. He's a wonderful person, wonderful yes, person. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your morning to come and uh, discuss this program uh, we have a couple of people um, on the line watching, and and Roger, my good friend Roger, is an Army veteran, uh, says mm -hmm. hello. Uh, oh, but Roger. um, yeah, Roger's on there saying good morning to all out there in <laughs> Kifferwoodville. Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, but uh, is there anything else you want to add on before I uh, move on to giving updates on the General Assembly with every every um. Every guest, you're allowed to stay on and listen if you want to, or yes. you can pop off. Uh, but I, I'd give a up. Uh, we're, we're going to Springfield this week, if you didn't know. And so yes. I'm traveling down, and uh, we're starting to do the people's work. So uh, okay. I give a little bit of update with that. But is there anything you want to leave or touch on that we might not have touched on that I didn't ask about? Or you know, I just uh, I just want to thank you again for allowing us opportunity to speak about these uh, initiatives at Fermilab. Uh, we really are committed to strengthening um, our relationship with the veteran community. Uh, so uh, we hope that we can come back again and, and share more and, and actually give you updates uh, from this telecast about how many people that are taking advantage of the opportunity now. 
So thank you. Wonderful. Again. And then um, can individuals just email you directly? Like if they, if groups want you to come and talk to them, sure. and I'm thinking like I'm a member of the American Legion or the VFW, or, you know, there's veterans in Qantas and Rotary and that it, it should, could they just shoot you an email or? Uh... Yes. Yes. Actually, yes. They can send me an email and then also bring uh, some of my colleagues with our veterans uh, resource group uh, actually out to support. Uh, so my email is just cwatkins at fnal.gov. And also they can check out our website at www.fnal.gov. Fabulous. Well, we will, we will uh, send that out there. We'll get it. I do an e-blast every week. So I'll put it in our e-blast and um. And maybe we'll get some good groups that will uh, invite you and your colleagues to come and talk about, you know, what, what I think is just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. I wish, again, like I said, I wish these opportunities <laughs> were available to me when I was yeah. uh, getting out instead of, um, uh, you know, figuring it out on my own. So I think people are really blessed to have, and, and our service members are really blessed to have programs like SkillBridge and Fermilab that are working together uh, for their success for their success in the future and, and, um, courageous conversations. I got it in my brain now. I'm going to be using it everywhere. It yeah. is succinct. It is to the yeah. point. And, and I think, uh, I think it, it sends a message that, uh, people shouldn't be afraid to speak up and talk about what's, what's going on, what their feelings are, uh, yes. that sort of thing. And, uh, military members can be a little stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say so. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Myself so included make, sometimes. <laughs> we're going to make sure that we, I know we have our next one coming up in March. So uh, in honor of Women's History Month. So we definitely will send you that invite. And maybe you can share with your constituents as well if they want to join in. So so definitely. And we might have you, would, you in on one too. <laughs> oh, anytime. Uh, okay. I'm happy to participate. Let me know. Um, you know, always happy to represent. Uh, the only female veteran in the General Assembly, so uh, it's 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 unique in that regards, and um, yes. um, I think that uh, again, as you said, including including everybody and and um, mm -hmm. having various different role models is so important to any organization. To be quite yes, honest, yes. Well, thank you again so much, Representative, for all of your hard work and dedication to the country and your sacrifice, and um, we will see you really soon. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you, Cortez, and and uh, really excited to be working with you and spreading the word. And um, uh, I, I'm just really excited about this program. I I, I really, really, truly want to just make sure that everybody's aware of it and uh, that they can um, tune in and and apply and and uh, have a great experience at Fermilab. So, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm gonna stay on and, and listen in. Okay. Have a good day. Have a great one. Take care. Thanks. All right, moving on to the General Assembly. As I mentioned before, um, this week we are going down to Springfield. Uh, session starts on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're in this week. And uh, just giving you uh, a little bit of an update, both chambers are in. So the House and the Senate, sometimes we're not in at the same week, uh, but this week we are on the same week. Most of the time we are in during the same week. It's just a, a, a week or two that might be off. But we need to file our bills and identify the priorities for the session. Uh, we do have a deadline this week, filing our bills by February 9th. Uh, just for your information, um, the governor's budget and state of the state address is February 21st. Now, back when I started, I know I'm going back a little bit. I got sworn in in 2013. There were two separate dates. One was for the state of the state address. One was for the governor's budget address. However, during COVID and over time, we've merged it into one presentation. So the governor's budget and state of state address, again, is February 21st. Deadlines, we, we, we focus a lot on deadlines. So the deadlines to move the House out of committees is March 15th. So not a lot of time in the Senate and April 5th in the House. So, so not a lot of time. We're working a lot uh, to get those deadlines met. Uh, congratulations to Representative Amy Ellick. Uh, House Republican leader Tony McCombie has announced that she has been elevated to the position of assistant House Republican leader. So I know that sometimes it looks like we don't like each other on the other side of the aisles. That's contrary to reality. We work very well on some issues across the aisle, most issues across the aisle. There's a couple that we don't agree on, but uh, Amy is a, a wonderful person. Representative Ellick will do a great job in that position. Now, as you may know, uh, chairing the Personnel Pensions Committee 
we just got a COGFA report. I've used this many times before, COGFA, 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 uh, the Commission on Government Finance. Um, so we have an update to report the state's pension system. So we have what is called, and I'm I'm gonna, I know I'm repeating myself from past uh, Zooms, I'm gonna keep repeating it, it's still an issue. Unfunded liabilities of the state system. So when we talk about the unfunded pension liabilities, it's similar to talking about somebody's mortgage. It's a long-term debt. We make payments on it every single year, uh, billions and billions of dollars of payments to pay down the unfunded liability. What is the definition of an unfunded liability? It is the time when the state pretty much didn't pay their pension payments, uh, going all the way back to Governor Edgar. De Governor Edgar signed into law in the 90s what was called the pension ramp. We're in the pension ramp today uh, and pretty much said, we're going to pay um, tomorrow. It's like that, you know, if you give me a hamburger today, I'll pay you Tuesday. Uh, so back there in the 90s, they they took a 10-year holiday from paying their monthly, their um, yearly pension payments, and then took out loans and did all these shenanigans. We have stopped all those games with our pensions, and we're, we're making our pension payment every single uh, month to a 90% uh, funded ratio, which is considered very healthy. Uh, I know that there are reports that talk about us um, shorting the pension payment. Well, they're, they're talking about that gap between funding at 90% and funding at 100%. Right now, our goal is to be funded at 90% by 2045. That's the payment that we're making every single year. We've been making it. The governor has supported making it. No, no, uh, nothing, uh, no shorting, no games with these pension payments. We're making our pension payments. So, Long story short, COGFA came out with a port, uh, report to talk about our total unfunded liabilities of the state systems, which total $141.4 billion. Granted, it's with a B. It is a big number. Our pension systems are big. The state operates on billions of dollars. $52 billion is roughly about our budget every single year. When you look at the city of Aurora, hundreds of millions of dollars on the city level. When you look at the city of Chicago, a, a billion, a uh, couple billion of dollars, and then move it up. So a, a big system. Um, our teacher retirement system accounts for 57.8% of the total liabilities. Of course, we have a lot of teachers. We still need to support our teachers uh, with regards to that. And then uh, the state employee retirement system is with 29 billion. The state university retirement system is with 27.7 billion. So that's kind of the breakdown. Those are kind of the numbers that I look at in Springfield. I know they're not very exciting. Um, I'm not going to uh, bore you with all the reports I read. I just like to give you a little bit of a snippet of uh, some of the things that go across my desk that I, I touch base on. Um, our pensions committee is meeting on Thursday. So, uh, so we're going to be starting the work uh, again of pensions just to, to, to really get us on a path of um, paying our pensions, paying more to pensions. As you know, with your mortgage, if you pay an extra mortgage payment every year, it comes down a little bit faster. So we're looking at how can we make additional payments. We made $700 million payment last uh, this fiscal last fiscal year. We're, we're hopefully going to make a, another little nugget to, to pay it down, but uh, we really should be uh, looking at strategies to pay it down a little bit more quickly and uh, get get our footing to that, maybe that 90% uh, solid. Good policy for the state, good policy for the workers. That's kind of how we roll. That's how I roll. Um, that's how the state is rolling. We're doing great. Nine credit upgrades now. Nine credit upgrades. We got to keep that, uh, that positive momentum going. Um, and I just saw a report that said that, you know, uh, I think over 50% of, of people in Illinois have a favorable view of the state of Illinois. Imagine that. When you start doing good things, people start liking what they see. We're working really hard to be fiscally responsible, uh, fiscally responsible. So, which means that we have to be responsible with, with the taxpayer money, but we also have to be responsible for people's lives and the services that we provide. And we are always working hard to have that balance. And, and and the same balance is with the pension system. We have to make sure that we're fiscally responsible with that, meaning that we are um, cognizant and respectful of the workers, cognizant and respectful of the workers and their pensions and when they're going to retire. Because right now it's, it's we're not equitable with uh, our other neighboring states in, in many aspects. And then also we are um, 
we need to look, be responsible for the state of Illinois. So it, it, it is a balancing act that we take very seriously. Me and my colleagues, that's why I say we, we take very seriously in the Illinois House. And um, it's my impression that the governor and the Senate does as well to be responsible. Couple subject matter. We have a robust, robust committee agenda this week. Um, we have committees every single day from human services, public utilities, transportation, adoption, child welfare, insurance, judiciary, consumer protection. And then on uh, that's just on Tuesday uh, with regards to energy and environment as well. That's just on Tuesday, Wednesday, again, human services, judiciary, transportation, healthcare, immigration, human rights. Uh, and then, of course, pensions and child care accessibility on Thursday. So uh, ILGA.gov, and you go under schedules, you can find the schedules for both the House and the Senate. If you are interested in long-term care and workforce, the House Human Services on February 6th at 10 a.m., you can zoom in, or not zoom in, but you can uh, look in at ILGA.gov. Um, in the Senate, just uh, for your information, there's a special committee on criminal law and public policy on February 7th at 9.30 in the morning to look at the trends of Illinois' criminal justice system and the recent work of the Illinois Sentencing Policy Advisory Council. And then uh, I know it's it's very important. We've talked about this before. Um, and we talked about this, you know, a little bit with our courageous conversations is, is the mental health and healthcare arena for lack of a better word, the workforce development. And, and there's a workforce shortage on, on behavioral and mental health professionals. So the House Mental Health and Addiction Committee will meet, uh, this is a little bit further in the future, on February 23rd to talk about the workforce shortages. So that's um, a little bit of, of what's going on in the House. Um, not much. We're, we're gearing up, we're ramping up to um, do the people's work. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, the Affordable Care Act marketplace enrollment is closed. So if you wanted to enroll, you kind of missed the window there. According to um, the CMS data, 398,814 Illinois enrolled in the Affordable Care Act marketplace uh, during open enrollment. So um, last year, more than 88% of Illinois enrollees received some sort of premium tax credits to help reduce the cost of their health care. So Working to uh, maintain affordable health care. I know there's a couple bills on the docket in the Illinois House that we're reviewing uh, along that same vein, uh, working with our federal partners to to rein in some of these costs as well. So uh, again, it's it's ongoing, and the state of Illinois is working really hard with regards to that too. Equity and inclusion. Uh, we talked about that. There's a commission on equity and inclusion, and there is an online training academy for state employees designated to offer courses to enhance the knowledge and promote equity and inclusion within the state's procurement landscape. And um, over the weekend, I was at the Quad County African-American Chamber uh, Jazz Brunch. I've gone every single year, pretty much. Uh, I might have missed one year, but it's been 15 years in the making. And way back when I was an alderman and I was a member of the Quad County African-American Chamber, um, we were talking about diversity and, and inclusion in the procurement process of the state. Again, the state works in billions of dollars and there's contracts to be led, road contracts and, and um, you name it pretty much. I can't, I can sit here for hours talk about all the procurement. Uh, but so looking at um, where we're at and what we're doing and reviewing um, our procurement process with the lens of equity and inclusion, it's not a bad thing at all. Uh, so the governor reported, and you might have missed it, might have not missed it, uh, Illinois Department of Human Services is partnering with Google to launch a new centralized portal for children's mental health care. The portal is called Beacon, and it's a centralized hub to finding behavioral mental health resources much easier for parents and providers. One of the leading um, causes of death for our young people, our teenagers, 13 to 21, one of the leading ones is death by suicide. Uh, mental health is a big factor. Mental health amongst our kids is a really big factor. And partnering with Google with this portal called Beacon is a major project that's following uh, the work of the state. We we launched last year's Blueprint for Transporta Transformation. 
and uh, the executive report on children's mental health care commissioned by Governor Pritzker's Children's Mental Health Transformation Initiative. So the report's online, you can read it. Um, and uh, this is just one step forward to uh, make sure that we're doing all we can for our kids. Now, my kids are grown, but I still check in on them. I still, uh, you know, want to make sure that they are doing okay. You just ask the question. You don't just say, are you doing okay? You also have to have a courageous conversation with your kids, which I've always had to talk about their mental health uh, as well. Also, Illinois Wellness Checks in Schools Program Act, uh, you know, is getting some, some um, recognition as well. So you can certainly look into that. Um, now, one of the fun things I like to report on and uh, work with my friend, Representative Will Davis, is film tax credits. Now, a lot of people, um, individuals, uh, look to these uh, incentives and say, oh, they don't really need a tax credit. They're films. They make you know, hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes. The film's a blockbuster. However, we need to be competitive. And this keeps us competitive. Our state has a competitive film tax credit. It ranks near the top in the country. And guess what? Illinois is attracting Hollywood studios and producers in our state, which I think is wonderful. So we averaged about $404 million in direct production expenditures by Hollywood studios from 2012 to 2022. Billions in additional economic benefits over that time and $6.81, uh, $6.81 return on investment for every dollar the state spend on the investment. So tax incentive, spend a dollar, we get back about $6.81 in benefit. It was, it's amazing. We are, um, I think, just doing great. And one of the things that people don't realize when we give these tax film credits is, is, is we're giving it to the tax film to bring, what do they do? They bring people in, they, they buy foods, they, they utilize restaurants. And, and there's a huge economic synergy that comes when um, these Hollywood uh, producers come in and uh, they do television shows, they do blockbuster films. Um, and uh, really it's, it's, it's really great. So we have, some big budget movies at Transformers, you know, they feature um, really, really, uh, really good incentives. So looking at 2022, we, we changed it a little bit to allow credit for the first $500,000 of qualified individual resident, non-resident compensation under qualified expenditures. If you notice when you watch a movie, I noticed this, I, I, I guess I notice this more than the average person does because this is the realm I live in. But at the end of the movie, it look you see the Georgia peach and you're like, all right. So that film, you know, I kind of look to see where the films are made, you know, and, and one of the things we found out is that um, we had a, a salary cap, a limitation on salary cap for the, uh, this tax credit. And um, we, we, we changed that in 2022. So, because it was, fairly low. Uh, so we changed in 2022 to allow the tax credit for the first $500,000 of qualified individual residents. Now, what does Georgia do? They don't have a tax cap at all. So when you look at these movies and you're like, oh, another movie with the Georgia peach in it, why is that? Well, because that's a market that we're competing in and, uh, and we need to be competitive. And so, um, now if you watch this zoom and you, um, see that Georgia peach, you're like, oh, we want to get these movies to Illinois. So look, and, and, and of course the newspapers report when Illinois is doing a movie, uh, but um, definitely that's, uh, that's something to watch for that, um, that Georgia peach and, and the tax incentives that we do for film. So we're, uh, we're doing really well, but there's always more to do. It's a competitive workforce to get these, uh, to get these movies to Illinois and to spend their their uh, funding. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Julia Stratton had the first meeting of the Healing Center Task Force. Again, we're, we're still uh, a little bit on the mental health uh, subject here, uh, but how trauma lies at the root of many mental health conditions and youth and criminal behaviors. Years ago, I attended a, a Casa Kane County uh, all-day, all-day seminar on trauma and how trauma affects learning and how trauma affects pretty much every aspect of a person's life. Um, 
the example that always has stuck in my head is um is a child can't learn if they're afraid of what's going to happen when they get home, if they're afraid of of actually trying to walk home uh, through trauma in the streets, through trauma at, um, you know, a family abuse, uh, the like. So um, very excited. And for the work of the Healing Center Task Force, I am not appointed on it, um, but always following the work that they do. They're bringing stakeholders, mental health, physical health care providers, schools, social services, juvenile justice uh, to better allow for those taking care of mostly children and to understand what's being done uh, for the child to address trauma. I I once um, was talking to an individual. We, we did a, uh, a leader manly hosted a tour of of the, the prison down in her district. And I was talking to a young gentleman and and. I kind of asked him, I said, uh, you know, what do you, what caused you to come and get incarcerated pretty much? And his story was that he was um, pretty much on, on his own, you know, hanging out kid, he and his, his cousins. And um, there's a drive-by shooting and his cousin got shot right in front of him and died. And the police, all the police did was ask him if he knew who shot him and, and, you know, but nobody provided any help or any assistance for that trauma. And it just festers. And it, um, and he was angry and, and more angry, more angry. And, um, and that anger led to, uh, actions that led him to be incarcerated. So long story short, uh, I, uh, appreciate all the work that Lieutenant Governor Julian Strand is doing, uh, in the healing center task force and, um, and the trauma with regards to that. Uh, what else is going on with the state of Illinois? Illinois State Board of Education seeking additional sponsors to expand its summer food service program. A lot of kids in the summer don't have food um, and um, definitely struggle during the summer times. Uh, the Illinois uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, they sent out a January newsletter. I will include some of that information in, in my email uh, newsletter every week. The, about educational opportunities and scholarships for uh, the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, in our area, we have the Community Foundation of the Fox River Valley. I know that um, uh, the American Legion has a scholarship for veterans and um, children of veterans. Uh, so I encourage, and as a fact, I, you know, I encourage everybody to uh, look to see what kind of scholarships are with the community foundation of the Fox River Valley. In fact, a lot of areas have community foundations. So um, if you're college aged, going to college, um, looking for scholarship opportunities, I think there's something over like 50 college scholarships that the community foundation of the Fox River Valley uh, administers. And uh, you fill out one application and it goes through all these scholarships and they try to pair uh, the student with the best scholarship that they can get. And then uh, the governor and uh, many community leaders rolled out um, a violence prevention initiative, SC2, Scaling Community Violence Intervention for a Safer Chicago. So this is a collaborative effort between state and local government, community organizations, private stakeholders to look at the root causes of violence and create safer neighborhoods. So you see this connection. Uh, and 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 I applaud the governor for for really truly um, looking at the whole picture whole picture with regards to um, behaviors and and criminal behavior and the criminal justice service. We're looking at this violence prevention initiative, and we're also you know par parlaying that along with the lieutenant governor's initiative for a healing center task force uh, because um, because it it is all interconnected. It's completely interconnected with regards to uh, how things are going with regards to crime and safety and making sure that uh, we are doing all we can to uh, to really, truly do all that we can to support individuals, to keep them out of the criminal justice system. We just talked to the individual from Formula to give job opportunities. Uh, to to really truly, and um, I can't say it enough. Be supportive about uh, all that, um, all that we should be doing. I mean, this is what the state should be doing. I mean, overall, um, what else is going on? Um, 
other than that, uh, cannabis sales were impacted by dry January. Uh, I know everybody does a dry January. Honestly, everybody should just moderation if you, if you drink, but be responsible. Um, but, uh, so what they're talking about is they're impacted by dry January. So, um, alcohol breaks like dry January are actually, um, Pulling the emerging U.S. cannabis market as more drinkers see marijuana as a healthier alternative. Um, I know I'm talking about in North America, but in North America, beer sales are expected to have fallen in the last quarter of 2023 for the first time since the pandemic forced bars and restaurants to close. And uh, but at the end of the day, we just want people to be responsible um, and in their recreational habits. We're also looking at employment law changes. Uh, we passed uh, numerous bills that impacted employment and labor law. A lot of these take effect this year. I'm not gonna go through them all, but uh, we're gonna include a link of those just for your information on our next e-blast. So you can sign up for our emails at ildistrict84.com and we will give uh, more of a summary of that stuff as well. Um, and then the uh, United States Department of Health and Human Services, again, partnering, will hold the Black Health Forum on February 28th from 9 to 1130 a.m. So senior uh, Biden-Harris uh, administration officials will be on hand and Black health leaders will highlight their work to improve equity and access to health care in the Black communities. Again, health care is a really important subject. We've touched on that a couple times already in this Zoom uh, so um, that's very important. Finally, parlaying back again to Fermilab. I know we talked about it at the beginning. We're going to talk about it. Uh, Wilson Hall. Wilson Hall serves as the hub of Fermilab in Batavia. It's now open to visitors. Guide tours are now available. Uh, so you get science exhibits in the atrium. You get the cafe. You visit the Ramsey Auditorium, second floor art gallery, and the ground floor it has a credit union, believe it or not. Um, and so if you want a guided, guided tour, uh, they're hosting monthly public tours on the third Monday of each month, starting on February 19th. You need to sign up on their website um, with regards to if you want to go. Everything else, just for your information, working on uh, quite a few bills. Uh, again, we talked about a bill to introduce um, tax credit for childcare for individuals who work non-traditional hours. Um, I talked to a lot of individuals at the Tradeswomen Build Nation Conference and uh, working uh, with um, labor and first responders, and hopefully we can get that going. We also introduced a bill to outlaw hidden junk fees, looking at that uh, as well. We did some work a couple of years ago, so seeing how we can strengthen on that if possible. Um, I reintroduced uh, a bill with regards to self-driving vehicles, getting some regulation on the books. I know that it's still a bit in their infancy, but uh, there's been uh, incidents in other cases, in other states uh, with self-driving vehicles. Uh, and then we are looking at, again, still a veteran dental care pilot program uh, with regards to our Medicaid program. Uh, it, for those of you that know the VA, some of you might not know the VA, the VA will remove a uh, a tooth that's um, has a cavity on it that's that's uh, needs to be removed. They won't replace teeth. So there have been instances of veterans with very few teeth reduced to like oatmeal and uh, soft foods because uh, the VA doesn't replace teeth unless your um, dental work is is related to a service connected disability. So uh, working really hard to bring uh, proper dental care to our veterans. I talked about this last time, bears repeating, uh, a bill that uh, designates a United States Marine Corps Semple Fidelis Memorial Highway along I-80. How can I not? It sounds like a great idea to me. Uh, looking at uh, allowing some financial literacy training for public higher education employees. This is would be a pilot program. We talked about this last year. Um, some uh, public employee uh, employees, you know, they have their pension and they think, oh, I don't need to plan for anything. Uh, I have a pension. But really, financial literacy is so important for so many individuals. 
Um, and then we have a bill to support our King County State's Attorney to put in a request for operational expenses uh, with regards to still working on uh, provisions of the bills and laws that we have passed over the years. And then some technical bills, along with pension bills. So still working on pensions, still got pensions going. So um, other than that, what did I do this week? Uh, Family Farm Preservation Act press conference. I went to uh, Normal, Illinois, looking at protecting our family farms. Uh, then um, I met with our good friends at Jennings Terrace to talk about uh, grant funding for homeless veterans and how Jennings Terrace can be an integral part of homeless veteran prevention to allow um, uh, independent or assisted living to, to brunch. And then, um, Supporting equity and inclusion attended the Equality Illinois uh, Gala on Saturday night. So uh, definitely it was a busy week. Again, Groundhog Day for the first time in two years. Uh, Puck Swally Phil didn't see a shadow, meaning that he predicts spring will come early. I don't know about that, but this weather has been great. It's almost like springtime weather now. Um, yesterday was World Cancer Day, just so that you know. World Cancer Day, uh, we need to talk about all those that have been infected by cancer and stand by those that are currently battling the disease. Heartfelt uh, prayers, uh, thoughts to uh, Robin Vickers, who um, who lost her son to um, after, after a huge struggle. So we need to keep that family in your thoughts and prayers. And... Um, Really, uh, not only on World Cancer Day, but every day, just keep individuals that are dealing with cancer in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, and, um, you know, for what it's worth, I know it's it's very, very small when, when families are struggling with with uh, cancer. But last year, we, we worked uh, to pass a law to require insurance companies to cover medically necessary compression sleeves and, and uh, they can relieve pain. Uh, from cancer treatments. So, I mean, it's th bills like that that frustrate me that we have to pass to make insurance companies do the right thing. But what all can you do? But that's our role. That's our role of government to make sure people do the right thing. Today is Adelaide Stevenson Day. So happy birthday, Adelaide Stevenson. Born on this day in 1900, Stevenson served as governor of Illinois and ambassador to the United Nations. Chicago Stevenson Expressway, if you didn't know this, was named in his honor. It's a fitting tribute to a governor who championed major improvements to our state highway system. So uh, happy Adelaide Stevenson Day. And, you know, this brings back great memories because uh, of my son. Today is World Nutella Day. Now, not only is it World Nutella Day, and Nutella, believe it or not, was first introduced in Italy in 1964. Nutella is popular throughout the world. Uh, and so a lot of people celebrate World Nutella Day by posting pictures, recipes, and messages declaring their love for the popular uh, spread. Now, I will tell my story for Nutella Day. My son, every day, every day, for lunch, without fail, every day for lunch. Now, when I was growing up, we would, my mom would put like chicken noodle soup in a thermos or or try to be very creative with lunches, but no, no, not my son. Nutella sandwich every single day from the first lunch he had in first grade to the last lunch he had senior year of high school, believe it or not, even in high school, still packed a lunch. He had a Nutella sandwich, loved Nutella, would eat it out of the jar with a spoon. Don't ask me. That was his thing. Uh, now that I, when I visited him in Japan, he's kind of getting out of the Nutella mood. Can you believe it? After all these years of eating Nutella, he's kind of getting out of the Nutella mood now at age 21. Cracks me up. But anyway, uh, World Nutella Day. Uh, celebrate responsibly. And then finally, the talk of around. The Grammys were last night. If you watched them, I hope you enjoyed them. I, I, I didn't watch them, but... Uh, the highlights, the highlight is from what I'm hearing, 
the highlight was, and, and I'm actually going to, believe it or not, I'm going to go online and find this because I, I, I really want to check this out because every time I hear this song, I hear Tracy Chapman in my, my brain because that's kind of how old I am. But last night at the Grammys, which I'm going to now go and, and check out, Tracy Chapman took the stage to perform her hit Fast Car with Luke Combs. As you know, now the, the, the version that's playing is Luke Combs version. Uh, and so that was that was a hit talking on the radio today. Taylor Swift announced a new album and then uh, Joni Mitchell played for the Grammys for the very first time. So those are the highlights of the Grammys. If you didn't watch them and I, I will say I didn't watch them either, uh, but uh, you can always go back and check them out. Last but not least, uh, Illinois Fire Department's responded to 21,165 calls about carbon monoxide. So make sure, make sure. You have a working carbon monoxide detector in your house. Uh, make sure you are heating your home safely uh, during these, this time of, of um, I guess, uh, 40 degree weather, still kind of cool, but uh, on this good weather. Um, congratulations uh, to our area partners. So the Illinois Department of Natural Resources announced $1.2 million in grants for local park and recreation programs. So the city of Aurora got $600,000. Congratulations to the city of Aurora. Fox Valley Park District got an equal $600,000. Uh, so uh, it's through the, the OSLAD office. Um, it's open space and land acquisition uh, that some of your tax dollars go into this and it goes only to fund uh, buying lands, developing them for parks and outdoor recreation projects. So um, congratulations to our area partners. And then uh, we also allocated $160 million. Now, I realize it says, you know, like the headline says the governor announces, but the 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 way this works is the General Assembly puts this money into the line items for the governor to administer these grants. So uh, the General Assembly put in a line item and the governor just announced $160 million um, with, or, uh, a grant from the U.S. National Science Foundation. So that goes into our budget. We put in a line item and then we can fund it. That's how those go. Uh, everything goes through the budget process, even these federal fundings. So $160 million in federal funding for Great Lakes Water Innovation Engine. Looking at a water innovation hub um, that uh, that is looking at the Great Lakes area for water and energy um, water is a huge force. And, and when I went on a trip years ago, energy, uh, environment trip to Germany, they use their water, um, quite a bit. And so definitely we can, we can look into that. So other than that, um, we're going to leave with reminding people about scams, uh, tax scams. Comptroller Mendoza talks about, uh, related tax scams, um, always be cautious. Scammers also use scare tactics to get taxpayers to hand over private information and money or uh, retirement or um, refund checks. So um, really, truly, truly uh, be, be careful. If something doesn't sound right, and even though that you're like, your brain's thinking about um, thinking about something like, oh, this doesn't quite sound right, but it sounds really scary. It's probably a scam. You know, just hang up, delete the email, and uh, definitely, uh, definitely and truly uh, make sure you double check it. Tom Skilling, WGN Channel 9, has found a replacement for the longtime chief meteorologist, Tom Skilling, who is retiring at the end of the month. Demetrius Ivory has joined WGN in 2013. Believe it or not, that's the same year I got sworn into office. And uh, he works the midday news and the evening news. So then he will be working uh now to replace tom skilling and then um oh and then other than that i hope everybody has a uh wonderful uh monday um if you are um around on thursday february 15th at 6 p.m it's going to be the fifth anniversary of the henry platt tragedy uh for the aurora community to come together for candlelight vigil to commemorate the, the victims who lost their lives um, in the Census Act of Violence, uh, Russell Byer, Vincent Juarez, Clayton Parks, Josh Picard, and Trevor Winner, and uh, their beloved families, uh, many of whom will be present. So uh, February 15th, 6 p.m., Bell Sal Event Center on New York Street. Uh, reservations are required. 
And then the African-American Heritage Advisory Board's 18th Annual Heritage Dinner. I put this in the email. We'll be repeating this on Friday, February 23rd. The Leader of the Year Award is being renamed the Shakita Hart Burns Leader of the Year Award in honor of the legacy of the late trailblazer who was the founding advisor of the Aurora African-American Heritage Advisory Board. Uh, she uh, was a dear friend of mine for 20 years, passed away uh, unexpectedly. And then next Monday is Lincoln's birthday. It's right after the Super Bowl. So I hope everybody has a great Super Bowl. Um, and uh, as it turns out right now, there's some questions about whether we'll have uh, Facebook Live or not. Um, we are intending to have Facebook Live, but it is a holiday. Uh, so we have to look at some logistics with regards to that because it's a state holiday and we're on a state Zoom. So, uh, but I hope all the state workers that have the holiday off the day after the Super Bowl, I could have been planned any better. So with that, have a wonderful week ahead. May or may not uh, do a Facebook Live on Monday. So sign up for the e-blast so you will know um, when you get the email whether our Facebook is going live. I see Bonnie and Gay are on. Um, and uh, Bonnie said she'd like the story of the coat. If you would have seen it, it would have been really funny because uh, my grandmother's coat was about three inches too short for my arms. And it was it, it was pretty hilarious. I got to tell you that. So with that, have a great great rest of the week. Uh, I hope it's well. Uh, COVID is still out there. So be careful. Keep your distance. Wear, uh, wear a mask if you need to. Uh, RSV is out there. Influenza is out there. Uh, so uh, make sure that you get your um, immunizations, flu shots, and uh, be healthy, be, uh, be kind, and we will see you maybe next Monday. Check that email. So take care. Have a great day.